it's interesting because um I think Miranda Brown wrote a she's a scholar wrote a whole synopsis of each character or historical figure Chinese medicine even Zhang Zhongjing and and Hua to, I believe and decoding the myths of each one because even Chinese have built myths around each character. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological, the podcast that curates East Asian medicine and methods through the power of conversation. I suspect that you ask your patients about their physical activity. I know I do. And even if I didn't, patients are well enough conditioned about what's healthy that they tell me anyway, with pride if they're hitting some approved metric or with a finger of blame pointing in their own direction if they aren't. The other day, I had a new patient who was telling me about the time she spends in her garden. She didn't talk about the hours spent, calories burned, or steps involved. She spoke instead of a feeling that you could label prayerful. She exuded a sense not of accomplishment, but embodiment. There was nothing of the usual yardstick that so often is applied to physical activity The experience of being in the garden was notably non-transactional, which is perhaps why it got my attention, because most people I see are doing an activity because they're trying to get something out of it. Not her, though. Her time in the garden, restoratively timeless. What struck me was the lack of a sense of, I'm doing this so I can get that. Again, non-transactional. It got my attention in the way that the lack of human sound or structure in the wilderness engenders a feeling hard to describe because it's hard to talk about something that's not there. It made me wonder if we might be getting it all wrong with our devices that track our steps, breath, heart rate, and all the other measures that the latest device with the newest software upgrades offers. We've trained ourselves to see our well-being in the numbers, graphs, and gamified measures of our activity, but in doing so, perhaps have missed the most essential part of it all, the being in the experience of timelessness, of inhabiting the body without efforting, of stepping off the karmetic wheel of, I'll do this so I can get that. This encounter gave me pause and made me realize that we rarely consider the restorative nourishment of being without agenda or goalpost, that we measure our doing but fail to note the empty stillness that's the ground of all that is arising. I suspect part of why people enjoy acupuncture is more often than not, they find their way to that stillness. For a moment, they don't have to try. Being, Mm. it's enough, and maybe enough that they can take that quietude back out into the world for a short or perhaps not so short measure of time. One thing for sure, this patient clued me into that in inquiring about a person's activity, it might be worthwhile to explore what in a non-transactional way they're benefiting from it. It might be helpful to inquire after the yin, if nothing more than to invite it in a little more often.
Often enough, patients come to us because of some kind of hitch in their get-along, some sort of mechanical issue with their physicality. More often than not, at least in my practice, they come with some physical complaint because, after all, acupuncture is good for pain or issues with the body. But sit with your patients for not too long and you'll hear about the anxieties or depression or confusion that goes along with living a human life. Our emotions, feelings, and beliefs are entangled into our physiology. In a way, we are the ghost in our machine. In this conversation with Ivan Zavala, we explore the ghost points and consider what they're useful for and how they function. We'll get into all this in a moment. Stay with us. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Ivan Zavala, welcome to Geological. It's a pleasure to be here, Michael. Thank you for the invite. It is my pleasure to give you that invite. I was uh, hanging around a little bit on Facebook, which I don't do a lot because I'm too distractible. Maybe there's some kind of Facebook ghost running around in me that, that like steals my attention. I don't know. But I came across a post that you had on ghost points. And I thought, right, ghost points. I remember, you know, you hear about it in school and you hear about it from time to time. You had a whole thing in pictures. And, and I was like, yeah, ghost points. I want to talk to Ivan about that. So thanks for coming on. And we're going to dig into... Sensomial's ghost points. Ghost around, ghosting around. We're going to go ghost around and whatever else shows up too. That's true. That's how, that's how we find the ghost often. Yeah. So, I mean, ghost is a really evocative term, right? Like anytime someone says the word ghost, people are kind of like, mm, right? They either like, oh yeah, I don't believe in that shit. Or like, oh yeah, ghost, like look out. I mean, you can't say the word ghost and not get people's attention, right? <laughs> I think because of, I don't know, because of media, popular media and scary movies. And we have a very predefined concept of ghost as well in terms of Western society. But even in the Chinese medicine realm, I think ghost does have certain concepts and ideas that spring into our mind that brings that curiosity. I'd like to know more about Gui, ghost, from that Chinese, traditional Chinese view. I mean, let's start with Sun Samyao in the 13 ghost points. Like, what's he talking about? Chinese are really into ghost, by the way. I mean, they got a ghost month in Taiwan, you know, traditionally. And, you know, they offer up all kinds of offerings to ancestors. I mean, ghosts are woven into Chinese culture. So what are we talking about here when we're thinking ghost from that Chinese medicine perspective? Well, in terms of Sun Semiao, we looked at his Beiji Qian Yin Yao Fang. It's just interesting because the ghost points are in the chapter of the small intestine, where he discusses small intestine. And then he goes on a whole rant where inserts this ghost point vantage point and when we talk about goals, how he's defining it, basically it is a type of madness. It's it's it's, it's from a clinical standpoint to Sun Semiao, 
ghost points are a type of manic, just losing, losing your shit kind of thing. And uh, I mean, he said he said he actually got this method from uh, Bianchue, and so it's the Bianchue's thirteen ghost points. If that's true or not, I don't know. Even Sun Semiao would like to. Uh, you know, Chinese doctors usually attribute something to an ancestor, and who else better than Bianchui? Yeah. Okay, so now for folks who might be not so familiar with who Bianchui is, I mean, this is, like, Bianchui was not writing down information about ghost points, as far as I can tell. Tell us about Bianchui. It's interesting, because um, I think Miranda Brown wrote a, she's a scholar, wrote a whole synopsis of each each character or historical figure, Chinese medicine, even Zhang Zhongjing and uh, Hua To, I believe, and decoding the myths of each one, because even Chinese have built myths around each char- each character. <laughs> and um, Even though there were some t- a real person, they became a larger-than-life kind of uh, Chinese medicine movie star. But regarding uh, Bian Xue, I mean, what I know of him, this guy is said to have done, like, uh, one of the first surgeries, a heart transplant. He is said to have started his own lineage of medicine in Chinese medicine, which, for example, the whole classical difficulties is kind of based on his lineage, supposedly. And he's said to have done these miraculous acts where he resurrects those who appear dead to life again. Not those who are truly dead. There's a story of him, somebody getting buried, and they were in what we call a corpse jue, a corpse-like inversion state corpse reversal they looked at and for most people they seemed dead but he looked at it and knew the person wasn't dead and resurrected him with like baihui or something what do 20 so yes so he's just this legendary physician who's able to resuscitate the living and dead yeah well in addition to that he's like he's got the head of a bird he's often portrayed as this like human and deity sort of character, not a whole lot like, unlike, say, Horus from the uh, Egyptian mythology. That's true. I think some people will call him Fang Shi, this kind of alchemist, Wu shaman type of figure who heals through going kind of nomadically village to village. And there's interesting because some people say Bian Shi Nari. Uh, has actually three definitions to what Bianchui means. Bianchui as a legendary, as a person, Bianchui as a collective of people who are under the Bianchui lineage. And third is Bianchui as was like the term for any type of physician. So it's like Bianchui became synonymous with Yi, with, with doctor, from what I heard. But the first two are interesting because when we talk about Bianchui, are we really talking about one person or a collective? It's kind of like when we hear about Shakespeare. Uh, did one person actually write that or was it a collective of writers on the domain of the Shakespearean writing, right? I didn't know that Shakespeare crowdsourced his work. That's a whole new idea for me, but... <laughs> it's a theory. I've heard it's a theory. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, people franchise things all the time. Here, take take my ways of thinking or my ways of working. It works really well. Do it like this. Here's the formula. Plug and play. Yeah. And during the time of Bianchui, I think he existed before, like, the Han Dynasty. So we're talking about, like, 
200 BC to 200 AD. So before the Western and Eastern Han, do we have Bianchen? I think he's like in the in the Zhou Dynasty or something, in the latter part of it. I'm exactly the day, maybe like 300, 400 BC. But at that time, Mediterranean medicine is still unraveling. So there comes this figure who has this mystical vision. So of course people are going to follow him because he's almost got it like something figured out that most do not. Kind of like a Confucius of medicine. Yeah. I, I, I heard a story once again, you know, this stuff is so wrapped up in myth that uh, he had acquired this capacity to actually see inside the human body. You could see where a person's problem was. I mean, we can do that in a way too. Sometimes people walk in, we take one look at him and we go, oh, yep, that spleen is really soggy. Okay, all right, I know where to start. We don't have to do anything other than look at them, right? Or you could look at a certain person and go, they would be really good with administrative work, right? They just look really detail-oriented. There's something about their eyes or whatever, right? We know this. We know that humans have these kind of capacities, but evidently Bientre, like really could see where a problem was and uh, actually taught people pulse taking, not because he got it from the pulse, but because he could see into the body and then notice that, oh, this problem gives you this pulse. I'll teach people the pulse because they can't see in the body, you know, and it freaks people out if they think you can see in their body anyway. So like do the pulse safer. Right, you won't get burned at the stake or something. Even Zhang Junjing in this in the preface that was maybe written by him or not, uh, he like says a lot. He, he kind of scoffs on himself and says, "Alas, if only he had the skill of Bianche." Uh, he says he's like the real name because Bianche has a because Bianche is also a moniker. So he says Bianche's real name, and he says, "Alas, if only he had his skill." As a physician, this is John Dunjing saying this supposedly. So, uh, Bianchi does have this larger than life clinical superpower ability, right? <laughs> Even the idea of like, I think uh, when disease enters the Gaohuang, that's attributed to also Bianchi, like the, when he talks about the Marquis and when his skin is the disease is first at the skin. Then like the flesh, then the muscle layers, and then the bones, and then then Gao Huang, and the Marquis does not believe him because he thinks he's just uh, trying to be a, sh- a charlatan or swindler trying to take his money away. So the disease goes into Gao Huang, and at that time he can't save him. So even the mythical nature of Gao Huang is attributed to Bianche. And what's interesting about Sun Semiao is that Sun Semiao devises a point. Uh, he's the one that brings Gao Huang. Bladder 43 into the equation or into the clinical forefront. Did he invent it or not? I don't know because Sun Semyon was kind of a compiler, but he brought it into it can treat the 100 diseases. We have to question though is the Gaohuang of Sun Semyon the same as Bianche? I think they're a little different, but they do have a certain relationship to each other. I mean, they're still both called Gaohuang. And just what is a Gaohuang anyway? We don't exactly have a Western analog. For that we do for the triple burner now you know they found this they found they found a new tissue Ooh, new tissue a couple of years ago right the interstitium full of fluid full of fl- a connective tissue that connects everything full of fluid huh sanjiao i mean they found it we don't really have an analog for gaohuang do we i've heard some people say it's like the diaphragmatic 
like flexes of the fermatic. Uh, it's like, because they say the Gaohuang is the fatty, what is it, the fatty part below the heart or something like that. So they say it's like the diaphragmatic membrane or something like that. Uh, it's just like this deep tissue that's connected to almost breathing and and was well, also related, connected to almost like your, uh, like the shin bao, the pericardium. Because if you think about it, what is the back shoe that's, that's right next to Gao Huang? Xin shu. So it could, it's like disease can go straight into the into the Xin shu, into the pericardium or heart master. And by then, it's like, uh, it's hard to touch illness. It's the core of your being. Well, when, once the emperor is corrupted. Yeah, once the emperor is corrupted, that's it. <laughs> so, back to Sun Sun Miao. He's talking about the the small, uh, the small intestine. And then he goes on this whole riff with ghost points. Yeah. And it actually doesn't even fully make sense because if you see the, like the schematic, I mean, maybe there's a making sense of it, but the order of it, like he's just talking about small intestine and this completely does a 360 and talks about like insanity. Uh, and I think it, if I remember, it's kind of like a win insanity because what's interesting is that we have to understand what insanity, the ideology of insanity back in those days. At the time of Sun Semyon, which is in the Tang Dynasty, we're looking around 600 AD onward. By that time, there was already beginning a shift of the ideology of insanity, likely because of Indian medicine and the transmission or migration of Ayurvedic or Indian type of concepts of diseases, some say Buddhist, into Chinese literature. And that means the idea of phlegm. Well, small intestine is is related to the separation of pure and turbid, right? So uh, maybe something like that. But before it's so similar, like Neijing, Zhangzhongjing, often insanity was related to something invisible. And what is the invisible force of Chinese medicine that causes the hundred diseases? Well, wind, right? So it's like wind entering into your mind. Sun Semya is kind of like the precipice where wind is still considered. But now there's this new entity causing insanity, something tangible, phlegm. You know, you know what's really funny is, as we're having this conversation, yeah, wind is the troublemaker of 100 diseases, lots of diseases. Wind's everywhere. And I was just thinking about, like, ghost stories or ghost movies. There's always that creepy wind and then a creaking sound, Right. Right? A howling wind and then like a, because of the wind. Isn't that curious that even in our culture, those two things are quite associated? Yes, that wind is mysterious. I think even uh, in the Neijing, they have this, it's like my favorite statement in Chinese medicine, because it's almost cosmological, where they say, I'm trying to remember, like the mystery, Shun Sheng Shen. The mystery engenders the spirit, the shen, the consciousness, and shen sheng feng, and the spirit engenders wind. And that's kind of like the precipice of like wu yun liu qi, of like the movement of the cosmos. So first there has to be some mystery that's completely beyond consciousness, before the shen, before that awareness. Then that awareness arises, 
And once awareness arises, then there's a wind, which symbolizes movement and birth. So that wind basically is coming from that, from that dark place, from that, which gives rise to awareness. So I always think of that. I don't know. I don't know why I like that phrase, but it kind of just like the Chinese medicine explanation of cosmology. It's so interesting because you could very easily make a correlate between wind and breath. Yes. You know, and even you go back to Genesis in our Western tradition. And I think there's some, isn't there something about like breath on the water is like the beginning of, of creation. I don't know my Genesis story very well, but I think there's something about light and dark and like wind on the water. Yeah, I'm Christian, but I'm not a very good one. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I haven't read Genesis <laughs> in forever. I, I might need to bone up on on my own create, you know, our culture's own creation stories. But it's, you know, it, to me, it's always curious when an idea or a concept or an image, for that matter, shows up again and again and again across time, across culture, in different places. Yeah, some people correlate even the idea of she with wind, because what is the closest thing to she? They say is like wind is. And when we, when the chi leaves you, then when the wind leaves you, the prana or the oxygen or whatever tangible matter, then you die because there's no more movement. There's no more spirit engendering wind anymore because the spirit goes back into, into the shen, into the mystery. Back into the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery at the beginning, mystery at the end. No doubt about that. I think, I think we could all agree on that. Yes, even the most hardcore atheists, I guess, believe would still see there's there's something mysterious about life. Yeah, just don't know. That's for sure. So, back to ghosts. Back to ghosts. And I'd like to turn for a moment, instead of probing Sun Samyal's mind, although we're going to lean on him a bit, like, what about ghosts in our present day? Ghosts in our present day. I mean, a lot of people, part of why I wrote this post is I think sometimes the term ghost is, well, first of all, we have to contextualize the term ghost, and then we call expand on it. That's usually the way I approach for Chinese medicine. What is the context of something? And then we could sort of maybe expand and slightly decontextualize it or deconstruct it based on, well, modern day. We live in a different time. It's obvious, you know, because a lot of people say, well, this is cla- this is classical stuff. We live in 2000 years. We have antibiotics. Like, of course, things are different. I don't think any classicists will argue that. I think that's the obvious. But I think we're all pursuing something where what is the context of something and how can we apply it to modern day? So ghosts in our times, well, the idea of ghosts is like, yeah, you lose insanity. And insanity can be, yes, full-blown manic breakdown, but it can also be any time where you have a disconnection from your senses. Like I had a patient, for example, basically I think is, I'm not a psychologist, but and she went to psychologists. The psychologists also did not fully understand. So, but I think she had a depersonalization disorder, where basically she is doing the motion. Of, for example, they're drinking their tea, and 
or playing in their phone or whatever doing the homework she was a young girl i don't know like 16 or something a 17 and as she's doing that she's aware she's doing it so it's not like she has an issue with her awareness she's actually quite aware and astute but it was like there's an emptiness like there's a complete disconnection of her awareness it's like her awareness is aware but without any connection to the awareness now i myself don't fully understand it because i don't have that but how she was explaining it i will say that's a ghost pathology and hers was quite significant but i think us in our 21st century we do experience that in more minor degrees where we're, lo where we're losing ourselves to the hypnotic uh, enrapture of something mundane where we could get possessed by something it's almost like the idea i mean we're talking about goals we're talking about possession so this possession means when we've lost our own shin and many things can do that this sudden depression sudden death so someone that comes to your life and comes to you and teaches you something that completely makes you lose your purpose makes you lose your mind because when you lose your purpose you often lose your mind uh so you just go into full-blown psychosis and you go off your life path that is a type of ghost is it the same as some semiel maybe maybe not but you lose yourself and that's that, that i think that's the theme like facebook for example you said right <laughs> so it's it it's an obstruction yeah so it's an obstruction of being connected to your own shen to your own to your own shen in your own e and pull and pull pull is such a weird one because it's so at least in my limited understanding i'm still trying to figure this stuff out you know it's a very animalistic instinctual like eat, procreate, sleep, rinse, wash, repeat. I mean, it's it's very, I mean, it's like the animal, right? It's very animalish in that way, in, in my understanding. Corporeal spirit. It's that part of us, supposedly upon death, that goes back into the earth. It's like, it's the part of earth that comes up and, and goes back into earth. You know, and yet it intermixes with our hun. I don't understand how that happens. I mean, you know, it's one of those things you, you hear about it in school and, you know, I've been chewing on it for years. Like, okay, we have this intertwining of some kind of spirit from somewhere, mysterious, with this very animal thing that we also are. Have you got a, have you got a sense of, of those dynamics? I could give my own sense, but I could only give my perspective, but... Well, first of all, like I know the Tao is separated and they call it like the, they have the sun, like the three Han seven pole. So Tao's religion was separated, will dissect them even further and say, well, one pole is for sex. But when you lose your pleasure of eating, you lost one part of the pole. So they have different, and and maybe Sun Semyon knew about that. I'm not sure. I, I don't know the whole, when that king, that's three Han seven pole came to the picture in terms of Tao's religious development. Probably or maybe around the time of the Gohong and all that. I don't know. But anyway, the Shangxing school or purity school of Taoism. But in terms of how I understand it from a Chinese medicine standpoint, well, all those five spirits are in the domain of the Wu Shen, of the five spirits, the Shen. It's still the Shen. So it's 
still one shen, and that shen just gets differentiated. It's basically your consciousness that gets broken down and segmentalized as it interacts with different aspects of conscious experience, which is kind of Buddhist in in a certain way, or maybe I'm interpreting it from a Buddhist standpoint, because before Chinese medicine, I was into Buddhism. And so, but I do think there is maybe some comparison and parallel because it's still under one spirit. Just like when we talk about even Ning Shu, I forget the chapter, maybe chapter 17 or something like that. Uh, I don't remember, but when they talk about the Qi, the chapter differentiation of Qi, chapter 20-something of Ling Shu, they talk about the different type of Qi and they talk about, well, vessels are a type of Qi, fluids are a type of Qi, blood is a type of Qi, and Qi is a type of Qi. Like, so same thing with spirit. All those things are on the domain of Shen. So before we differentiate and dissect them, what is Yi, what is Po, what is Zhi, Will, what is Shen, <laughs> as a little Shen, we have to understand they're still under the domain of consciousness, of awareness, of however you want to interpret Shen. So we shouldn't miss that view. And then we could dissect that these are just Shen interacting in different things. In terms of when you're going to sleep, that's the Shen going inward. That's when you get dreaming, but it's still the Shen doing it. Then the Shen, as you begin to conceptualize terms and conceptualize the world, that's the Yi, right? And that requires blood and glucose to go into your brain. Spleen governs sweetness and your brain is ruined by glucose. So uh, that's the Shen interacting. That's part of your neurological development of, of the sweetness of thought. And in terms of pull, it's the, it's the, we are living beings. So without the pull, we are not able to fully materialize into this world. The Shen will not come into the body. So it's like the pull, the metal energy that it pulls down the yang of yang, the heart energy into the body. Because what is the element after the metal? The kidneys, the bones, the full crystalline structure. So it's the pull that makes human beings fill with desire. When you have desire, the shen wants to be in the body. That's why people who lose desire often die quickly. As they grow older and people have no job, as they retire, they die because they have nothing else to do because there's, the Shen has no more precipice to be in the body. Uh, well, there's also all the extreme people who just go crazy with desires. They just The Shen just explodes and also it disconnects. But it's the desire of the pole that I think materializes the Shen into the somatic structure. The pole materializing the Shen into somatic structure. That's a really evocative way to say it. I think it's Zhang Jibin who basically says something like that, that the poor is the one responsible for feeling and touching. And I think it's, I'm pulling the idea from him. Mm. Yeah, well, you, you put it in modern language really well. You do. There was something else that you said a few minutes ago about one of the problems that happens when wind and ghosts show up. You use the term hypnotic enrapturement. And I think about people walking around with their head slightly tilted, looking down into their device that's in their hands, hypnotically enraptured, looking at images, often memes, 
You know, memes seem to have so much power, right? I mean, I mean, pick out it like a meme or a slogan, any of these things, they really do seem to have a sense of enchantment with them. I mean, pick out any meme or slogan you want. I'm not going to bring any up, you know, and say it at the moment because you can get all kinds of trouble for that. But just like think in your own mind for a moment about a meme that you go, no, those guys are wrong. Or you think about a slogan, you go, yep, that's me. I'm, that describes my tribe. It doesn't matter if you're for it or against it. You're hooked into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering from the point of view of dealing with ghosts, our own self-generated, perhaps, ideation, ideology, sense of identity, who we think we are. You know, the Buddhist will tell you that, well, you know, there is no I, that's a conglomeration, and it's a story, right? Held together with, like, wind and clouds. But in our modern-day identity is about, it's, like, so important, people will fight to the death for it. How does this fit in with dealing with possession. Have you got any thoughts on that? That's a very provocative thought statement. I think anytime we, I like to quote uh, Shuling Tai, how we get possession. And he basically says Shuling Tai or Shu Danshun was a famous uh, Qing dynasty physician. Yeah, he was like a famous uh, Jingfang guy too. He was, into the, he was into the categorization of formulas. Dr. Huang Huang got a lot from him. Exactly, yes. And But here's all the cool. Here's a uh, poem show translated his essays of his. In Chinese is not easy to read them. I mean, I know some. I know Chinese, but it's not easy to read him because he's he's like a high literati. It's like he's just bringing metaphors and dropping them and expects you to know them. But in those essays that Paul Ancho translated, he, you get to see like his brilliant mind. He's basically one of the most critical thinkers of Chinese medicine, a skeptic, a critical, I don't know, there's a specific term for that type of mind, but basically a person who's just kind of philosophically dissecting everything. And, and, and then he's a physician, and he ridicules a lot of doctors and stuff like that. But uh, he's kind of funny if you are into just that, you know, people clashing and stuff like that. That's Shuling Tai. He doesn't hold his words. But there's an essay where he talks about basically ghosts. And this is a guy from, that's very critical. And he's not into supernatural things. But he identifies that ghosts are a concrete thing. But first he says you have to basically understand that before you diagnose ghosts, that your diagnosis is not correct or something physical. Okay, because it's very easy to say this is ghost related when it's just a misdiagnosis of something. Okay, so first he makes the concrete point. He does acknowledge it can be something unexplainable, supernatural, but he says the cause of it, the very cause of it, is just like Wei Qi. When your Wei Qi is weak, wind affects you. When your heart spirit is weak, your heart light, your Shen is weak, then Gui will affect you. So the cure for basically is to strengthen the heart yang. And that's why a lot of Sun Semyo's 13 goals points, yes, he does puncture, but a lot of time he does fire needling, maksa, strong needling to summon the yang chi, kind of like a shaman that's kind of drumming or, or bringing that evocative 
present, you know, because what is the fire needle going to do? Well, bring you into your shen into presence or moxa or strong needling. It's to bring your yang back into it, to awaken your heart spirit. And going back to the whole mean thing is we are basically weakening our heart spirit when we put our consciousness onto some kind of false image. Even I think some idea, some idea of entertainment where the heart governs also the emotion of joy. If you're constantly just looking for that sporadic dopamine, that is an addiction. And in the addictive phase, you are losing that heart spirit because you're dispersing or the joy don't have missing disperses the chi. So you constantly need need that validation. You constantly need that entertainment. I myself am a victim of this uh, because of our own dopamine chasing where we're constantly seeking that. And in that, when that happens, there's a disconnect between that materialization and that spirit, that heart-kidney communication. And that's the right moment for Gui to hit you. Because you don't know who you are. There's a breakdown between Shen and will and ambition or whatever. And I think from another perspective, to deviate a little bit, anytime people take drugs or stuff like that, alcohol, the spirits, or even cannabis or marijuana, I think it puts you to an environment of Gui or an environment to get hit by Gui. Is that every time you do it? Of course not. But it basically affects your hun and your and your pole. That's why you feel all floating. And that's the time where Gui can hit you. So yeah, so anytime you do something to separate your, your shen from your body, that's a moment of possession or potential for possession. You could get lost. There's an emptiness when you separate your shen from your body and then other influences easily can enter. Would it be fair to say a lot of us are somewhat possessed these days? I know that's, that's provocative, but I'm putting it out there. I think if you have hard kidney communication, you do have a certain possession to some degree. There's actually, um, you know, a famous Jingfang doctor, I forget his name. Uh, he's famous in the Chinese community. But he basically says a provocative statement. My friends disagree, but I think maybe there's something to it. You know, there's always something to something that might be somewhat incorrect. There's something correct about it too. And he says, all Xiaoyang disease is caused by ghosts. Now, I think, well, people are always, how often do you diagnose Xiaoyang disease? Uh, all the time. So, and why do, and Xiaoyang disease, yeah, a person get better, but they constantly go back into it. It's like the cycle of Xiaoyang, 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 and you get them better, you harmonize them, but then the ghost comes back, then the Xiaoyang comes back. Because Xiaoyang, little yang, is basically you're wasting your yang. And as you waste your yang, the yin can enter you into that spaces, into the triple burner, into the formless spaces. And Xiaoyang, triple burner is connected to the pericardium. So as the, it enters your pericardium, that the triple burner pericardium and nodding says, these are the formless organs. And that's where the ghost is going to hit you, into the yuan qi into the blood. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. 
A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. It sounds like there are different ways that ghosts can enter. We, we, are, we just talked about if your shan is not stable, you disperse it, ghosts can come in. Now we're talking about the Shaoyang through the triple burner, ghosts can enter. Could we go around that Zhu clock, not the Zhu clock, the, uh, the, you know, the five phases, and see an entry in each of those for where a ghost could take up residence. Yes. Oh, we have to also remember that Shaoyang is basically governed wind, wind fire. So that idea of wind still entering you of is the same as a ghost. And what is the first ghost point that Sun Miao talks about is basically Rendong, right? Do 26. And that is a major point for Zhong Feng for wind strike which I talked in that post about. So the first thing, it goes, just like wind strike hits you, you get a, what I call a Guizhong, a ghost strike. And then the set of next two points are basically telling you about the nature of the ghost. We have Guilei and Guixin, which is basically Taibai and, and Shaoshang, basically spin one and long 11, which are basically Taiyin, Taiyin Jing wells. It's the two ends of the Taiyin, Great Taiyin Jing. Yes. The wood points, the wind would govern wind, entering into Taiyin, into the into the hand channels, into dampness, because Taiyin governs dampness. So it's like almost this wind that goes into the into the yin organs and gets stuck through dampness. And that's how I think Gui hits you. It goes into the Zang. It goes into the spirits. It goes into and it begins to circulate through, I think maybe maybe you could say through the Sanja or whatever, as it begins to consume your yuan qi. So it's really parasitic in its essence. Yes, yes. I was say it's interesting that the next, you know, the first two points after Renzong are the ends of the Taiyin channel. Yeah. <laughs> And even when you do them clinically, it is kind of like you're doing some kind of exorcist. I uh, feel like it, or patients feel like it because they're feeling this crazy needle going into the fingertips. It's not like you could needle them 100% painlessly. It's impossible to go into, the, you can't. And you needle them, and you got the needles in, 
this four fingertips or whatever. And then uh, you're stimulating. And then there's just, just something happens clinically as, uh, and I've seen big shifts happen from that, you know. But it's just like you're performing this ritual as you're needling and you're conducing this exit. That's why they're the jingwells, because the jingwells govern exiting, true. So, yeah. Can you give me an example in your clinical work when you've used these points for some kind of uh, ghosty condition? Uh, well, for example... I've used them recently for an individual with what she has, bipolar, especially when she goes very manic. So I used it for her. Now, one thing about ghost points, I think, let me be clear, I think you could treat ghosts without the ghost points. And it's something Meow makes that concept too, because the 13 ghost points are not the only points that Sunset Meow talks about treating ghosts with. For example, there's another point, Jansher, pericardium 5, the metal point, oh, that in the pericardium channel, that can treat phlegm. So Samuel talks about that for ghost. Uh, some people put that that should be a ghost point combined with ghost point. Fong Lung, stomach 40 can be used for ghosts. In Dong acupuncture, I've used San Zhong, three weights. For those that know Dong acupuncture, three weights, which is kind of in between. Yaming Xiaoyang, and we use that for phlegm and stuff like that. Those can be used for ghost, ghost, right? And I used it for this woman because she had a lot of respiratory congestion. Uh, she had a lot of digestive symptoms where you couldn't even, well, you can't even touch her anywhere in the in the stomach without, obviously she has repletion, without pain. And then she has a bunch of phlegm. So to me, she's just filled with uh, pathogen, right? Uh, so you f we first want to remove the phlegm, blood stasis, unblock the lung dynamic, uh, descend that metal, and part of that, at first, I did not use any ghost point on her, but then I started incorporating them. For example, Do23 is a ghost point, Shangxing, I believe, uh, I forget the ghost point name, because all the names in ghost point have a different name, they have a ghost moniker, right? Um, I think it's, uh, it's uh, well, I'm looking at your map here, it's Guitang. Guitang, yeah, the ghost hall, right? So I use for her because for me, how I select ghost points is based on the pathodynamic. That's one thing. I, that's part of the reason I wrote that post because I saw people writing ghost points and so stuck and limited, I think, I basically believe, it's my idea, my perspective, that they believe ghost enters to layers through trinity so they divide the ghost point into trinities the first three are trinity then the next three are trinity then the last four i believe are trinity whatever but i don't ascribe i think there's three fortune i forgot i don't ascribe to that at all and i think it's and something meow does not, does not make that point at all either so i think it's a taoist influence or somebody's influence trying to put it into this box of penetration to me the ghost points you could combine them to the clinical scenario because if we think about who Sunset Miao is attributing to Biantre Biantre is the lineage of diagnosis based on complexion and this complexion is something that not just about what you touch what you see but 
things you might like your vessels you see in the body, pulsations of the body. So it's very tangible things you're observing. So you're supposed to change your prescription based on the tangible manifestation. For her, I will certainly use I use long eleven and spleen one combined with Guay Tang to 23 because of the manic phase and because she had this tie-in phlegm. So that's one clinical ex uh, scenario. Uh, another ghost point that I like to use a lot is Feng Fu. I think they say that ghost pillow, right? This Gui Zhen. Because that's where we begin to affect the ghost directly affecting the brain. So I've used that, for example, on the lady, on the girl with uh, deep personalization disorder. And I've used it a few other pair people where, who have depression. And after the ghost points, they had no more depression meds. I, am I saying that it will cure me depression? No, I do not believe that at all. But I have used them in people with depression and anxiety where they're taking meds and they no longer need meds. So it is interesting, the power of ghost points. So there is something to them. Now, again, I don't recommend that you use them in view of psychological medication or psychotherapy. Maybe there's a conjunction, just FYI. But I have seen people get off those meds with treatment. Yeah, well, we often can help our patients get off all kinds of meds with treatment, especially if they're looking to try to get off meds. Sometimes patients aren't. I had a patient years ago, I was treating for back pain, and her back pain was getting better, but she also started getting more sensitive to her insulin. And so she stopped acupuncture because she didn't want to take less insulin. Which, you know, you and I look at it and go, well, your diabetes was getting better. Why wouldn't you? But, you know, I mean, that's just where she was in life, right? She wanted her back pain gone, but, you know, I'm using insulin for my diabetes because, you know, just because that's how she was. It's not my job to change my patients' minds. It's their job to change their minds. So I'm, I'm looking at some of these points, like on the pericardium. So if there was more of a, a heat ghost or fire ghost, so to, so to speak, instead of a damp ghost, you, you might want to use something like uh, pericardium 7. Would that fit? Yes, the only thing I want to clarify is that I don't know if the ghost itself is heat. I don't think there's a heat ghost. What I want to, that, but it becomes fire, that you're 100% correct there, because it's affecting your yang chi that is manifesting as fire. But the gui is still yin. The gui is always yin. Yeah, always, always. Remember, Shuling Tai says, gui enters through affecting your heart shen. So then it's kind of like the concept of Shanghai. It's always called damage. But then you get Yang Ming because of the cold constricting your, your Yang Qi. Same thing, Gui. The damnness constricts your Yang Qi that manifests as fire based on your constitution and based where you're weak. Gui, like wind, attacks where you're weak. And it often attacks first the susceptible organs, which is first the lung. That's why lung 11 is first mentioned the sensitive canopy then it latches where the will lodge where the root of damnness the spleen and from there it begins to create chaos and because there's that wind element it can go 
in all kinds of directions. They can go in all directions. But one thing I think that I try to emphasize is, is the Gui Lodge is, yes, it begins to affect your, your Shen. First, it affects the apertures, the orifice, the chow, because that's how your Shen's interacting with the world. So that's going to change your perception, isn't it? Exactly. It's going to change your perception. See, this is where I think of things like memes. I'm serious. I, having kind of a gui effect because you take something in and you believe it. Your belief changes how you perceive. There's certain things you'll, you'll just ignore. You won't even see it when you believe something or don't believe something. And so, you know, you take in a meme, you take in an idea of any sort that is going to affect your perceptual apparatus, which just now the cycle goes on and on and on, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and you mentioned this earlier that in dealing with Gui, that you, there's got to be kind of a shock to the system. There's got to be something that kind of rang me shingwala, right? Like, like wake up a little bit. When treating it. When treating it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the only way that a person's shine is going to come back online. You need to almost reboot the system. And the concept is basically coming from why is Gui even in Chinese medicine, which is a naturalist-based medicine? We have to ask that of ourselves. Because even though Chinese medicine tried to divorce itself from shamanic premises in the Neijing, they're still in there. Right, Gui is still mentioned in there. There's a whole chapter on it in the Ling Shu. And they talk about Gui and mania all the time. So even though it tried to put disease as natural causes, it couldn't fully escape the shamanic concept of Gui because who dealt with Gui? Who were the first doctors? Shamans, right? Even the character Yi, there's an ancient character with the word shaman instead of uh, for those that know Chinese, have seen that maybe, right? Instead of the liquor or whatever they have on the Yi character. And so, but that shamanic context still went into Chinese medicine, still kind of lodged on, never wanted to let go. Maybe it is kind of like a way onto itself. And so, what Chinese medicine still constantly try to hold on and try to treat it and see the diseases of it. There's even another disease called Si, uh, like corpse disease. Which is a very which appears a lot in the Shenong Ben Sao Jing. Even the concept of Gui manifests a lot in the Shenong Ben Sao Jing herbs for treating Gui. And so and what shamans do, they often did the, how they treated the body was through these ritual dances. And these ritual dances is what they would chant. I don't know, I've never guess you have to fully be there, but they'll they'll do go into this hypnotic trance. We still have shamans nowadays, so maybe we could use them as an example of maybe what ancient Chinese were doing, but the, they will often do some type of dancing around, some type of ritual. And often, a lot of times, from what I remember, a lot of the shamans were women. So, and they'll dress in a certain apparel to kind of provocatively put the mind into another dimension. And then from that dimension, that evil can be expelled. This is my guess of why they were doing this dance. It's not a normal dance it's a shamanic type of dance right and that's what we're doing with needling too i think that's why i call it a ritual so you could say in a sense we're looking to i mean my suspicion with shamans i don't know much about it but i think a piece of it is inducing a kind of trance state yeah often to pull people out of a gui induced trance state 
right? A sort of a alternative reality for the moment where some kind of change becomes possible. How often do we put needles in people, regardless of your method or technique or whatever, you come back in the room, they're like really quiet. They say, oh my God, I haven't felt like this. I can't remember. It's very easy to induce a trance state with acupuncture needles. It's like ridiculously easy. <laughs> yeah. and, and I suspect, you know, shamanic work, from what I've heard, again, I know very little, seems to be focused on creating some kind of a receptive trance state so something can shift. Because when we're locked into our usual mode of perception, there's just not a lot of room to let things shift. I'm thinking about, I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know if they even have cars like this anymore, but we had cars with manual transmissions. You know, these days that's a, an anti-theft device because no one knows how to drive one. But have you ever driven a, a stick shift car, manual transmission car? I haven't driven it, but I've been in them. But, but you got the idea. So you're like in a gear and you can go a certain way in that gear. But to get to the next gear, you have to disengage the transmission, pushing in the clutch. That lets you move to a different, a different gear. I wonder if, I'm just ruminating here, this might be some of the ways it works with consciousness and trance states. You're like putting in the clutch. Okay, we're in a neutral space. Now you can shift to something else. Yeah, and I've, I don't know. Sometimes I get marketed uh, this one you're online and they see your algorithm. This idea of like, you know, the brain has different brain waves, alpha, I don't know all them all. And so it's kind of remind me what you're saying as your body goes into different, I don't know what's the neutral brain wave. But if you're in a state of trauma or something, then that's going to be in a specific type of brain waves. And when you have that eureka moment, that flow state, that state maybe of closer to enlightenment or whatever, you're in a different kind of brain wave. So the changes of clutch makes me think about you're trying to change like the tune of your brain so it can change the perceptions of reality. But I want to add that Sometimes before we do that in the clinical scenario, we do have to concretely remove pathogen, right? Phlegm in particularly, because that's going to block the orifices. And when the orifices are blocked, no amount of changing someone's mind is going to affect, going to lead to the clear yang because there's turbidity in the head or in the heart. So... I think that's one key part that we can do is although we can't change a person's mind like you said it's like the insulin we could sort of change their biorhythm or change their homeostatic balance of getting rid of pathogens so the person can easier be able to have clearer perception because for me the person that didn't want to take insulin that's not a clear thought to me uh that might be because there is pathogen, I don't know. Or maybe that's just her perception of being things. But for me, from a clinical scenario, people often change when we remove pathogens. As those pathogens are removed, it's like their mind changes from what I've seen. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. 
In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. I mean, that makes sense. And, and of course, in particular, dampness and phlegm. And I think phlegm is incredibly, phlegm and wind together are usually associated with mental disorders of any kind. When you get down to the root, wind, phlegm, some combination. Since we're also talking modern day, I had a patient the other day. I'm very keen on making sure that they can get a hold of their ADHD drugs. Evidently, there's been a shortage. I didn't know that. But if you got ADHD, ask your patients who have ADHD. Um, they might know this. But evidently, there's a shortage. It's hard to get the meds. And so some of these folks who depend on their meds, they're a little freaked out right now. Because like, I can't get my meds. I'm only taking a half dose. I could see, yeah. So it's, it's gotten me thinking a lot about ADHD recently. It's also so prescribed these days. Like almost, It's like, who doesn't have it? And, you know, certainly our electronic devices are a training ground for it. But all that aside, what are your thoughts in terms of this ghosty influence and something like ADHD? I think whenever we use ghost points, we want to always get the full pathodynamic of, of ADHD. Well, how is it affecting the Shen? And what is it causing the Shen to do? So that's how I often use ghost points. So if the if ADHD is causing a person to basically be in a state of hypermania, causing uh, their pulse to be rapid, especially the left chun, is causing the tip of the tongue to be red, maybe with thorns, then we use pericardial mate, right? and they have this restlessness. That's uh, how often use them. For example, if somebody has a floating wiry pulse and they have inability to concentrate because they're always twitching and everything, then I might start to use Zhongfeng, uh, especially if it's floating wiry and forceless because that means that uh, there is wind, wiry, definite wind, and forceless, weak shen, weak yang, I will use something like zhongfeng, I mean renzhong. And then if I feel there's maybe a dumai component, then I will add, for example, feng fu, which will also be evidenced by the wire pose. So I still like to use ghost points 
as evidenced by the clinical scenario. And I feel like there's always better results when you follow the evidence of the clinical scenario. Of we're, we're, we're evidence-based medicine. We're evidence-based medicine. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except our evidence is the, the signs and the symptoms and what we're seeing through our senses. So what I'm trying to figure out is what are the post-manifestations? And this is how I treat. What are the post-manifestations for these points? What are the tongue manifestation for these points? So when I use them, I put in my mind, this is the pulse I felt when I used, when I felt this was pertinent. And some of it I feel is logical. And I don't think there's one pulse for each point. I think there can be various pulses for each point. But those points tell you a specific scenario. Like stomach six will have a very different pulse. Jashe will have a ghost bed, will have a different scenario than ghost Pad, Guilu, Bladder 62, right? One's Yang Chao, and one's affected more the Yang Ming, the jaw, the person's going to be grinding. They might wake up with migraines. They might have nightmares. Goes bad, right? Goes bad makes a good combination with goes pillow, you see? Because they're both affecting that idea of your consciousness of sleeping. And if you feel like this person getting nightmares, then we can combine this too with maybe something with a liver point, like Tai Chong which is not a ghost point, but it will still fit the floating hunt. But we're combining them with the clinical manifestation of nightmares by grinding teeth and stuff like that. Once again, we cannot get away from doing a thorough assessment and differential diagnosis. Who are we looking at? Exactly. I feel like all my clinical successes and failures have been because of me following the clinical evidence and me not being able to decipher the clinical evidence. Oh, amen, brother. <laughs> Where sometimes you decipher it in retrospect. How many times have you, you get the clinical evidence, you, you get an idea, you put the needles in, you go out of the room, you're thinking about it more, maybe writing some notes and realize, oh, there's a whole piece, I missed it. I saw it, but I missed it. Now I see it. Okay, I'll, do that next time, or I'll look for it next time. I'll look for it, or I'll incorporate it in the herbal medicine. Well, you incorporate it, yeah. I'm making some herbs, I'll take care of it there. That's <laughs> it's a good backup, isn't it? It is a good backup, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. A lot to discuss here, and we're getting close to winding this down. Can't believe so much we've covered so much, and yeah, I mean, the, the time went by in a really ghosty way. One thing I want to add is that if we explore like San Samuel's clinical literature, not not where he mentioned the 13 ghost point, his second book, the Yi Fang, the wings that he adds to the to his other book, which is a whole separate book. There he basically talks about there's a section where he talks about herbs, and he categorizes herbs, basically makes his own materia medica in different categories. Like the first category are herbs for wind. The second category is, I don't remember, whatever. But there's three categories next to each other that I always find interesting. I feel like there's an evolution or connection. Like, why is he putting them together? The first category will be gui, ghosts. Then the second category will be gu, which is gu toxin. And then the last will be chong which is basically worms. 
the bug, so parasite. So it's almost like Gui is the intangible manifestation before you get Gu, which is a very big idea in the West now, viruses to the work of Heinrich Fruhav and stuff like that. And then Chong, an actual tangible worm that you that doctors can actually see, biomedical doctors. Well, Gu, you can't always see it, always, even though the person in my head... No, that, uh, well, long COVID would be a kind of ghoul. Yes, it would. But when you have acute manifestation, you maybe you could say it's a type of gui or something, or or the remnant of it might be a type of gui. Like, why is this person still sick for so long? So gui also brings to the idea of latent pathogens. Uh, so there's certain herbs that can get rid of this gui even in the Shenon Bensao gene, we see them like Sheng Ma, Simisifuga, gets rid of the epidemic and the hundred ghosts, the hundred corpses. Chai Hu, while it doesn't say ghosts, it basically gets old, gets rid of the old and brings out the new. That's a clinical strategy for ghosts. Da Huang can be seen as getting rid of ghosts. It has the same Chai Hu indication, getting rid of the old, bringing out the new. You're purging the ghost out. Chaihu, you're harmonizing the triple burner space, you're harmonizing the liver, you're trying to open up the Chaihu, open up the eyes, brighten the eyes, getting rid of that triple burner congestion, which is where ghost resides in those interstitial spaces, we can say lodge in the triple burner, Xiaoyang disease, right? Remember the doctor who says Xiaoyang disease is caused by Gui, well, Chaihu strategies. Shegma, where diffusing toxins from the blood, uh, and so on. Um, Guajer is said to be able to go into the deep spaces. And Guajer is said to strengthen the heart yang. So we are often, for Guay, are going to be dispelling wind and strengthening the yang of the organs. Fuzza, Guajer, Xixin, all those kind of verbs to expel the yin pathogen, the yin pernicious. Bansha. Shishangpu, Yuanzhi, and Sun Semiao. What's unique about Sun Semiao and his clinical strategies is what he brought into clinical scenario. From my point of view, from what I've seen of him, mining his literature, is he likes to use a lot of things to open the orifices and calm that shen. Fu Ling, Shishangpu, Yuanzhi. Just think of Ding Jiruwan. But he has a bunch of other prescriptions that feature those herbs to try to open up those orifices, to try to expel the dampness that water should affect in the heart, uh, and so on. Uh, I'm glad you bring up Ding Jiruan. I haven't thought about that formula for a long time. I used to use it more often, and I have not used it for a long time, but you you just put a pin in it for me. So we're having this discussion. I'm thinking, you know what? I got a couple of patients that might actually be a really good fit for yeah, I like to combine those with the Xiaoyang formulas just to calm the heart spirit. Well, Xiaoyang formulas can kind of do, but unless you're like, but by itself, Chai Wutan doesn't really calm the heart yang by itself directly. But it will open up those pathways that can be so useful. I, I really like your point of attending to the heart yang as part of this process. And, you know, it's funny because I, I think about cinnamon. I love cinnamon. And and partly because it's one of those herbs that's actually really good for me. Uh, but we see it in cooking and in food all over the place. 
And sometimes when I want my patients to take something cinnamony, I might not be able to get them to take herbs. Uh, I'll just say, do you like cinnamon? And often they'll say yes. I'll say, great, eat as much of it as you can. Just like put it in whatever you like. Like dose it up. And, you know, even as a food therapy, that can be really helpful, I think. Yeah, yeah. Those spices, I think, can... And it's pungent, so it's kind of awakening as well. Yeah, I think the cardamom, all those kind of things. I mean, just think about what they use for in folklore for getting rid of this vampires and stuff. They use clove, garlic, all these kind of spices, aromatic fragrances to get rid of, to expel and prevail, repel the vampires, which is a type of way. Okay. Well, I was, I was just thinking we could do a whole section on, on vampires, but no, you're right. It's in with the vampires, we're looking at more of we're looking at more of a blood level issue. So, you know, we could go back and look at different ghost stories that have come down to us through time. There might actually be some treatment strategies embedded in that if we decide to take a look. I think there's always some wisdom in even those kind of things. <laughs> Folklore. Yeah. Well, I want to wind this down with uh, just a little bit of a refresher in a sense, for the listener. We, we've really gone deep into uh, some fantastic material. I don't know about you listeners out there, but I know I'm going to have to listen to this conversation again because there's been a lot in it. So, I, Ivan, I thank you for that. Um, but I want to leave folks with just like a little, little bit of a lighter thing. We're going to do a quick lightning round, okay? Just some, some very simple questions. Give me a short answer just as a way to kind of lighten things up as we uh, wander back out the door. How's that sound? Sounds good. So first question, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? I'm reading, what's his name? It's just a Taiwanese doctor. It's called Beyond the Bean. And he just has different clinical strategies for all types of diseases. Beyond the Bean is it's a tiny medicine case study kind of thing. And then Yet Hensher's the big book on Yet Hensher. Oh, that's another whole great topic. I wouldn't know much about it. I'm just reading and trying to decipher it. <laughs> well, that's that's why we read it, right? wonder what's in here. What's your favorite book of fiction? My favorite book of fiction? I haven't read fiction in so long, to tell the truth. But I, I've always liked uh, that one of my favorite first books that I read is like The Girl That Owned the City. It's just like adults die due to a virus and children take over the world. And I don't know, I was, that caught my eye. It was the first thing I read. I would have said it's a favorite though. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have enjoyed that in high school. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite snack? Probably some type of fruit, to tell the truth. Um, any type of fruit. Oh, okay. Nothing crunchy, huh? <laughs> no. Sweet. All right. Complete the sentence. Acupuncture works by... Acupuncture works by stimulating the neurovascular uh, body system. Mm. What is the worst advice you've ever received? Worst advice ever received, uh, suck it up. <laughs> and what's the most heartfelt thing that you've learned from practicing medicine? Heartfelt thing is... Uh, there's always something, life is fleeting, but precious. 
Life is fleeting but precious. And patience are stronger than I am. Patience are stronger than you are. Many times, yes. Especially those with serious illness. They're my teachers in many ways. Yeah. Well, Ivan, that seems like a good place to uh, put a pin in it for today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael. I enjoyed this conversation. The problem that had me seek out an acupuncturist did not quickly resolve. There were other aspects of my life and health that I did not think I had a problem with. But after my first two treatments, it was clear to me that I'd banked away a not small amount of frustration and it leaked out in all kinds of unproductive ways. It was a surprise for me that the first thing that started to change with acupuncture were my emotions. And it's often a surprise for my patients when they find themselves at the end of an acupuncture treatment feeling a sense of quiet appreciation of their lives. Acupuncture, as you know, if you've practiced it for any amount of time, it has a profound effect on a person's ability to more fully inhabit their emotional life. Often enough, it frees up the places of immobilized fear or resigned discouragement. Considering ghost points is challenging because of the charge that goes with the idea of a ghost. The idea of a spirit not properly embodied, mm, that's how I'm thinking about it at this point. Call it a ghost or trauma, family pattern, or denied feeling or experience. When the emotions and the physicality don't mesh, there's often issues. And our medicine, it can help with the reconnection. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.